Recording is on. All right. It is recording officially. Oh, good. So we are here today to talk about a fantastical movie of sorts called The Last Unicorn. Not the littlest unicorn, not the um, lost unicorn, but the last one. So what can you tell us about this movie that that you recommended? Uh, I... I don't know how old I was the first time I saw it. I can't remember a time where the movie wasn't in my life or not in my consciousness. <laughs> so I, I would have been pretty young. Yeah. Uh, I can remember being blown away by it. Yeah. Um, like really impressed because it's, it's accessible to young children, but it's also has some very adult themes. Yeah. And it seems to have like an adult sense of, um, responsibility but it's also a bit grievous in that regard too yeah so it seemed like i was really peering into how adults think as a child I, yeah i can see that and then i was thinking about king haggard and comparing him to a lot of like teachers at school or just any adult in my life and thinking are they as sad and unstimulated as king haggard and that's why they are the way they are yeah i i can i can see that <laughs> Yeah. King Haggard really li lives up to his last name. He's like a he's like a Haggard SOB. I guess yeah, probably say. probably related to Merle, Merle Haggard, but not well, as that, that's, that's kind of what's funny about it, is that there really are people with the last name Haggard. So yeah. what, what do you do with those kind of people who really have that last name? That's a bit yeah. unfortunate. Merle Haggard's name is almost an onomatopoeia given <laughs> It's oh yeah, yeah. He looks haggard himself, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's a and Neil Young. He looks haggard, but his last name is Young. So figure that one out. Yeah, he's a cherished elder now. <laughs> well, he always kind of had an elderly way about him, Neil Young. But we're getting a little bit distracted talking about this, I guess. Yeah. So. Um, I read the books, and I listened. I was listening to the book on Audible recently. Yeah. And and that's how I was inspired because I hadn't seen the movie in a few years. Oh yeah, so you so you might as well have gotten back into it, right? Yeah. So would you say would you say that there's anything that drives the unicorn mad in this story, or is that um, or is that not really like like a symbolic thing? I think she does kind of go mad. Um, yeah. Because she gets, she dissociates when she becomes a human. Yeah. I guess, spoiler alert. Um. <laughs> well, I think I think that's sort of implied by the fact that we're talking about a movie, right? I guess yeah. a lot of people don't really understand that, but we're going to get into some details here, folks. That's the way it's, that's the way it's going to go, you know? Yeah. It, it seems like she's really traumatized. Like she has depersonalization, derealization disorder. Yeah. When she's transformed into a human, she loses her sense of like time and where she is, but she never had a good sense of time. That's yeah. like a human quality that unicorns don't have. Well, that's, that's because she has like an eternal life or whatever. Right. Yeah. So when we, when we say that the unicorn goes crazy or whatever, we don't mean the unicorn breaks free from its chains and attacks the crowd or something. It's not like a King Kong kind of story or whatever. That's not yeah. what kind of... It's not really a wild creature. It's like almost inherently tame. 
yet its situation kind of forces it to act sort of wildly, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book, uh, the unicorn, white unicorns are like several, like thousands of years old and young unicorns are more of a sea foam green, hmm. but she doesn't actually know what she looks like. Yeah. So, um, it, and it's not really clear if she recognizes herself in a mirror or not in the book. Well, what's interesting is that there's never there's never a moment where the unicorn is exactly mocked. Like there's never a crowd that overpowers it with their laughter. It's just it's just um, it reminds me a little bit of of the elephant man who is like captured oh, in that yeah. in that um, basically caged carnival environment. And uh, you know the crowd mocks the elephant man, the elephant man, but this crowd seems to kind of respect the magical aspects of the creatures. Yeah, they they get tearful in the movie when they see her. Yeah, so which I is think, odd because they don't actually see her. Well, the 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 witch kind of plays a trick and puts the horn yeah. on to her head, so the people think that she is a unit. It's weird because she really is a unicorn, but she she has to trick the crowd into thinking that she is a unicorn. So it's like you're doubling the unicornness, I guess you might say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have I to wonder about that. Oh, what? Yeah. What was a that? A bicorn. A bicorn because she has two horns. Oh, yeah. Maybe. That's a... I don't know what kind of corn that would be other than a bicorn, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a place where the story does get a little corny. <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you want to if you want to phrase it in such a cheap way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, obviously, a big chunk of the story is about the unicorns eventually breaking free of their bonds. And then they, I don't know what they do. They fly into the sky and join the Milky Way or something like that. I don't know. But um, there's a little bit of a happiness ever after component. So what do you think about that? Um, so in the movie, uh, like King Lear is, he's not really super well developed. Yeah. Like he just kind of does stuff heroic stuff in the book he's a little more charismatic and has personal relationships with smendrick and molly yeah um so you can you can see like you can see how the lady amalfia kind of falls in love with him that part's a little better developed too because he sings and writes poetry to her and really helps her get distracted from how sad and confused she is yeah so he kind of is the savior figure for her um but then at the end, so I think in the book it's more impactful when she talks about the regret she feels because she chose not to be a human anymore. Yeah, I would say that one of the uh, things that books tend to get better than movies is having more of an in-depth analysis of the characters, or for allowing an in-depth analysis. Here, it's you know, in a, in a movie format, it kind of seems like the characters really just play a role, I guess you yeah. could say. Yeah. What did you think of the harpy? Um, it, it was. I think in the context of in the context of the story, it's like a it's like a thing they're fascinated by, but the townspeople could quickly forget about it. 
like the moment yeah. it's gone. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Did you notice the harpy had three boobs? No, I didn't notice that actually. I didn't notice that until until you were looking for boobs. Until much later. <laughs> Like yeah. I remember, I I remember seeing it like probably when I was a teenager and seeing oh that harpy has three boobs and they're just hanging triangles like like red tipped bugle chips from her yeah. chest. I have to ask you another question. What do you think about the soundtrack provided by the band America? I like it. I think it's it's like a folk rock style, but it works really yeah. well in this movie. I think um, that if it, this. If this movie was remade, they'd probably have like Mumford and Sons doing the soundtrack or something. Yeah, I'm. You've I, heard of them, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah, that's that's um like this definitely has has a '70s feel to me. This movie. Yeah, and I forget when when did it come out again? I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up myself. Oh, 1982. I guess some movies that were made in the early '80s still had a '70s feel. Yeah. Anyway. It does have a it does have kind of like a cheesiness to it, but you know when they say can you see her as she sparkles the last unicorn? Like it's very cheesy <laughs> lyric, but yeah. it fits the tone or it sets a good tone and it fits kind of the artwork in the background. Yeah. So one interesting thing about this movie too is that it's not really about trying to save the world necessarily. You know, or 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 the greatest mission of all time, perhaps. Like, there isn't a holy grail or the great flood or anything. They're really just trying to save a magical species from going extinct. Yeah. And uh, what are your thoughts on that aspect? Um, you know, I this might sound a little odd, but I, I can't help but to compare unicorns to dogs. Because dogs have kind of a magicalness about them. Like you can, I've known really crabby, unlikable people who are transformed in the presence of a dog. Yeah. And then there's people that don't get the appeal of dogs at all. They just seem like kind of gross critters that people own. They don't seem to get it. So I guess in a ham-fisted way, I kind of see the metaphor there. Like the depth of appreciation for dogs that some people just don't have and never will. Oh, what's that? Oh, that was that was a text message on my biscuit. I should have muted that. Oh, all right. When but you, you can leave biscuit, it in. What do you mean? Because there are a lot of people are going to be like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> oh, about dogs? No, you said biscuit. I think a lot of people are going to be oh. wondering what that means. Well, not I, a lot of people. I insert I that word a lot, kind of like like squanch from Rick and Morty, or yeah. Um, it was my phone. Okay. <laughs> oh, speaking of Rick and Morty, I think one of the main people in charge of that show is in danger of being canceled now over some like abuse accusations. Hmm. Not not really that that's totally relevant, but once you mention that here, it just is sort of yeah. fresh in my mind. Yeah, I think it. There's a, something parallel because a big theme of the last unicorn has kind of abuse of power. Like yeah. Haggard abused his power. Um, Mommy Fortuna abuses her power. Well, I, for some reason, like, th- this movie is like, it's about a king, right? But I don't think, when I watch this movie, I don't think of, like, kings and princesses and 
princes and stuff like that. For some reason, it it seems a little bit different. I think it's more. Yeah. I think it's more unicorn centric. I guess you could say. Yeah. And and there's there's of course a curse, and a and you know wondering who can lift various curses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What did you think of the the tree that came to life? Or I guess trees are already alive, but the tree that became animated and sentient. You know what? I honestly don't remember that part that much. To tell you the truth, but what what are your thoughts on it? It seemed it's so odd. Like it it it's I'm glad it's in the story cuz it does add verisimilitude. Yeah. Um you know, just like some quirky magic thing happens where they tie Smedric to a tree. He's trying to release himself, but he accidentally makes the tree animated. Yeah. And the tree loves him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember it better now. Yeah, I, I, rem- I remember thinking that's, that tree has some big boobs on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a very strange thing. Like, if, if this was a song that had lyrics, I'd, I don't know how I would write that part into the... You know, would it be at the conclusion of the song or like in the middle yeah. or the beginning? Yeah, it's, I it's think narrative, random. Yeah, narratively, it just shows that Smendrick isn't that competent or that great of a wizard. Yeah. He doesn't have good control. So I think that's why it's in there. Um, there's more examples of that in the book, but there's like a whole scene where they're in a town where one of Haggard's kingdom towns, and um, that's all cut out, which makes sense because it. I think it would have been clumsy in the movie. Yeah. So so I think, you know, at parts of this movie, I, I was reminded of, you know, the sort of metaphor of being at the edge of a cliff and, you know, being told to look into the abyss and stuff like that. I've, I've, I think Haggard kind of represents the abyss kind of dynamic in a story. What, yeah. what, do you th- what are your thoughts about that one? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think there's a parallel with Haggard's death and Mommy Fortuna's death, because Mommy Fortuna's like last words are, um, "I held you." Yeah, uh, you, like I, you couldn't have escaped without help. I, I was the one who held you captive. And then Haggard's last words are, "I knew you were the last one." <laughs> and and so there's like kind of this grasping at straws, getting their consolation prize as they die. Yeah. Well, the the cast is definitely uh, an interesting part of this movie because you have Mia yeah. Farrow as the unicorn slash lady Amalthea. Am I even pronouncing that correctly? I don't know. Amalthea. Yeah, Amalthea. How, how, however, it's pronounced. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering, wondering what you think about Mia Farrow's performance. It's really good. It seems like. She has some subtle changes when between the unicorn and the lady of Malfia. Yeah. Where it's it's not it's subtle enough that you see a shift in perspective, but not so subtle that it's or not so abrupt that it's jarring. I think it's perfectly applied. So I, I have to ask you this question that's gonna make me sound weird. But is it weird that I find the unicorn more attractive than Lady Amalthea? Like, does that make uh, me some sort of pervert? No, I just think I it's think more attractively drawn, I suppose yeah. I should say. You know, it wasn't like, oh, man, that unicorn is hot looking. I just mean, like, more appealingly drawn, like, magical or something. 
Yeah. Yeah, Lady Amalfi is probably would be more something that you'd be used to seeing, like a yeah, kind of just a cartoon character with big eyes. Basically, yeah. It kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of an anime story somehow. Yeah. Like I could I could actually imagine this transposed into an anime film. Yeah. So when it comes to Schmendrick the magician, um I I don't think it was like a stock character exactly, but you know I I do think in terms of the movie he was really the most like a device, I would say. Oh, yeah, I can see that. You know. I mean, he definitely plays a role, but it, it seems like the uh characterization is almost interchangeable with some other um fantasy stories, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, what do you think about Jeff Bridges as Prince Lear, who is oh, Edward's son, adopted son? Yeah, so um, in my early life obsession of this movie, th- th- like I, every time Jeff Bridges comes up, I always think first, oh, that's the guy from The Last Unicorn. <laughs> like, that's just how I view it. Like, yeah. I know most people probably think of The Big Lebowski or something. Um but my mind goes to the last unicorn. I think he does pretty well for the performance. It doesn't sound that much like him, but he, I think he would have been like younger. Or, yeah, probably. I would. I would assume. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's a pretty good performance, though. Yeah, I would. I, w- I, w- I would say that I enjoy enjoy his performance. Oddly enough, I think one of my first wasn't he wasn't Jeff Bridges in that King Kong movie. From the 1970s that people seem to hate. I think so. Yeah. yeah, for some reason, that's really the first movie that I remember him from. So often when people mention his name, I think of King Kong, what is it, 1976, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then there's a uh, Molly Grew. What are your thoughts on that character? I really had the to... book. In the book, Molly Grew is 37. Yeah. Which is my current age. Hmm. And I get that it's like a medieval setting and people typically <laughs> died younger. Yeah. Um, but they talk about her of like, like she's so mad at the unicorn. She says this, where have you been? How dare you come to me when I'm like this, when I look <laughs> like this? And yeah. I was thinking about my own life in that regard. Like, do I feel... I don't know, too old for something. Yeah. And and the unicorn, um, I don't know. I think maybe my career in some regards is like, how dare you how dare my career come to me when I'm like this? But at the <laughs> same time, um, like I get more street street cred for being older looking, as opposed to like people who are like 25. Yeah. And starting off as in psychology, they don't get much trust or respect from some clients. Yeah. But I get that better, and I think that's probably because of like white male presentation too. But um, like, it seems like people are more trusting of my authority. Where I've had supervisees in their mid twenties, and no one, no client seems to trust their authority. So yeah, I don't know, that seems a bit tangential, but something that oh, well, was a, a trend of self reflection. I don't really know how many listeners I will have on this anyway. You know, I might yeah. have a handful, but you know, don't worry too much about tangents. 
Yeah. Um, well, speaking of tangents, the butterfly character in this movie really goes on a lot of tangents and yeah. they really don't show the character that much, but it's very important in the beginning. So what are your thoughts on the butterfly speaking? It's a pretty memorable of- character. I, yeah. I do my fa- one of my favorite lines from the movie is where um, the last unicorn asks, like, do you know what I'm called? And the butterfly says, Rumpelstiltskin. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I like that part. It's uh, actually pretty random. Yeah. I, th- I think it's an interesting idea that butterflies would only speak in riddles and poems and song lyrics. Yeah. It was, a, it was an interesting idea. Yeah, there's kind of like a Robin Williams oh, like, yeah. style supernatural character. Like Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin. Yeah, I, butterf- I have to admit I've never seen that movie. Oddly oh, okay. enough, but so the big difference is he references modern stuff, and the butterfly yeah. kind of keeps it contained to where it's a little bit more believable to that world. Yeah, so I like that that it that it has some unity. Yeah, and I, I looked at the actor's name, and it's Robert Klein. I'm not very familiar with his stuff, but I probably have seen him in some other stuff. And then, of course, there's Angela Lansbury as Mommy Fortuna. Yeah. <laughs> Quite an I interesting... I think she does that character well. Like, it's it's an intimidating character. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of a magician who's basically just a sellout who, who gathers up these magical creatures and uses them as a traveling roadshow, and, like, that's her main thing in life. Yeah. Again, it kind of reminds me of the the movie um, Elephant Man. Yeah. And I think her character is similarly sort of pathetic. It seems like she has the potential to be something more grand, but she's just, for some reason, attracted to that lifestyle or relegated to it. Yeah. Yeah, because she seems like... I wonder if she's, to some extent, kind of incompetent, too. Maybe, I don't mean, like, she can't do stuff, but... And I don't think she's as, like, Spendrick is, but not, like, Modbrook or whatever the, the like, the original court wizard was. Like, he's supposed to be some kind of magical genius who can perform yeah. miracles and such. But Mommy Fortuna's, like, biggest feat, her biggest victory that she clings to when she dies is holding a harpy, which probably isn't that big of an achievement. Yeah. Well, I think I think one thing about the uh, Mommy Fortuna character is that she's older than Schmendrick. So at least, at least I think Schmendrick has the excuse of youth, whereas yeah. her patheticness, it, you know, it just... Seems like she's kind of inherently that way, or maybe being punished um, for something. Yeah. For some character flaws or whatever. And then we we talked about King Haggard a little bit already, but obviously Christopher Lee played that that character. So, what are your thoughts on his performance? I thought it was really good. Um, a fun fact is, if you watch the Last Unicorn in German. He also does the German voice of King oh, yeah, because yeah. uh, he, he spoke German, and I used to watch The Last Unicorn in German to practice. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I think his performance is very 
amazing. Like, I think he brings a lot of, yeah, um, kind of like an imposing, intimidating piece. Uh, but he's also intelligent and thoughtful. Yeah, and the the character is even relatively subtle, you know, despite yeah. being sort of a villain, I guess. Yeah. And actually, one of my favorite characters in, in this movie was the Skull. Oh, played by Rene Aubergenois. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that, that could be, uh, you know, maybe give him a talk show or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't have yeah. much more to say about the character, but he's, he's actually one of my favorites that yeah. this was my first time watching this movie, by the way. Oh. So it, it was interesting. I didn't have the benefit of, you know, um, nostalgia as having seen this as a kid or whatever. I didn't have that, but I still enjoyed it reasonably well. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Rene Aubergenois, he was, he played Odo in Star Trek, uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, he did the voice of the chef in The Little Mermaid. Yeah. And he was a professor at Juilliard in New York. Um, he taught classes on like mask work in particular, hmm. like how to act with a mask on. Yeah. But, I, um, but I do think he's a very underrated actor because he can be subtle, but he can also be over the top and he can blend the two together to create something really deep. Yeah. So he has like the, the funny, like, I don't know, like jovial skeleton, but then he also has like the, the way the scene's done where the skeleton's shouting unicorn and the eyes start glowing red. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it really elicits a lot of, I don't know, tension in the scene. Well, what I like is, I guess it's similar to the nightmare before Christmas in that they have a creepy character, but he's actually basically harmless. Yeah. Like he's probably the most harmless character in the entire movie. Yeah. Really just there for comic relief of sorts. I kind of like that. Tim Burton does that sometimes too. You know, um, in other movies, I would say. Yeah, like the in Beetlejuice where the guy is on the, the flat guy on the line that like slides <laughs> by. Yeah, really just a side character, but reasonably entertaining, partly because of the visual aspects. And of course, there's... The fact that uh, they bribed the skeleton with not really wine, but the memory of wine. <laughs> yeah. That's that's yeah. kind of funny. I think it works well in like the story building side of it, too. Yeah. And it kind of also reinforces that Smendrick really isn't that great of a wizard. That Oh, yeah. He has to use trickery. Yeah. Well, th there's a little bit of uh, that thing in, Wizard of, in The Wizard of Oz, too. You know, the, oh, the wizard yeah. there really mostly uses tricks, but he's so skilled at it. Right? Yeah, yeah. That he's duped the society into following him. Basically, yeah. Um, convincing them that he has some great powers. When it's really just the power of suggestion. And uh, yeah. obviously he's got some techno technological gimmicks up his sleeves, too. Yeah. So were there any sequels to this movie? I didn't really look that up. 
Uh, Peter S. Beagle has other books about unicorns, but I don't think they're sequels hmm. per se. Yeah, I think they just take place in the same world. So there's nothing like the Seven Curses of the Unicorn, or the Last Unicorn Two: Lost in New York, or the Second to Last Unicorn, the prequel. <laughs> or, or they could have the new batch, I suppose. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, in terms of corny sequels, or the Last Unicorn in the Hood. Or yeah, last, last unicorn in Manhattan. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Is there anything else you have to say about this movie? Oh, I, I really like it, but that seems pretty obvious. I guess no. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> All right. Um, because this is like, are we going on forty minutes? So oh. we actually talked quite a bit about the movie. I hope. I hope that people out there appreciate the appreciation that Troutface has for the movie. And, uh, you know, hopefully you learned a thing or two about it. You gained some insight into, you know, what, what the characters are like and uh, maybe some themes that the movie has and all that Did kind you like of stuff. It overall. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I guess with that, I'll probably, um, call it a day here and uh you know next time maybe we could talk about um music like an album or something we can talk about music oh okay yeah and uh, i guess i could do do the dis decision for that okay yeah all right so well have a holly jolly christmas oh you and uh, may your may your Jesus, I can't speak. May your unicorns not be the last ones. Yeah, I, from the heart of my bottom, I wish you a hairy biscuit. <laughs> wow. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Bye.